0: You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby.
1: And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to look back on what we read in 2019. But before we do that, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's new with you? I just want to express my
0: gratitude for my Buy Nothing group here in Carborough and Chapel Hill. We are moving today, (laughs) (laughs) leaving town tonight. Got to record this episode first but it has been such a pleasure having my neighbors come pick up my stuff at my house so that I don't have to take it to the thrift store. And I just really appreciate the energy of a group like that. The gratitude is so amazing. People are funny and fun. It's a way to get to know neighbors that I wouldn't have had without it. And I am so
1: grateful. It's a lot to be thankful for. What is new with you, Sarah? I want to give an update on something I talked about in our last episode on minimalism, because it's actually been at least a month since we've recorded. Mm -hmm. We were working ahead in preparation, knowing that you'd have a lot going on with the move. And as I was listening to it while I was editing it, I was talking about the major pinch point of our house being the entryway and just how we need big structural change in order to make it better. Uh And I didn't see it happening. It's happening.
0: Awesome. (laughs)
1: Neil and I talked about it. He drew a sketch of what it could look like, and then he started taking out some walls. That's
0: awesome.
1: I feel like when it's done, it's going to be amazing. It is one of those things, though, where I think I talked about this with our bathroom remodel, about how I would never do another project (laughs) in the winter again. Yes. And here we are. Here we are in the winter. (laughs) At the very moment when we most need that space to be functional and usable, it is not. At all.
0: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) But I'm trying to keep my eye on the prize of how it's going to be when it's done. When it is complete, which will hopefully be sometime in January, I think is a reasonable estimate, just Mm -hmm. with the holidays coming up and the way these things end up going. Mm -hmm. We've already run into one major hiccup and I'm sure there's more to come. (laughs) (laughs) But once it is done, I will share with the friendlier community the beauty and function that will be my new entryway. I can't wait. Me neither. (laughs) Before we get into all of the books of 2019, we're going to share one of our recent reads. What have you been reading lately, Abby? A little while ago,
0: I finished The Wedding Party by Jasmine Guillory. Mm -hmm. This is the third book that's set in the world of characters that started with the wedding date, which I think
1: maybe you talked about on the pod. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've read all three, also of the books in the series.
0: And there's a new one. I don't know if oh, you know that. I did. There's not know one that. that has royal in the title, which mm. I definitely put on hold. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> but I liked this one just as much as the first one. The middle one, the proposal, was not my favorite, but mm-hmm. the wedding party might be my favorite so far. Hmm. It's about Maddie and Theo, who are both best friends with Alexa. So Alexa is the one of the protagonists from the original, and she's getting married in this book. So that story has continued sort of off page, and then we get to dive back into it. And Maddie and Theo are both in the wedding party, but shocker, they hate each other at first. So I have been learning a lot about romance tropes from the Hot and Bothered podcast. Yes, and this book features the enemies to lovers trope, and it's totally great. I also liked about this book that it is more realistic than the wedding date in that the two main characters actually live in the same city. Mm -hmm. So they have to work things out and it's less like taking vacations to see each other and having these amazing times away and more, a little bit more realistic about what a real relationship would be.
1: Mm -hmm. And that they've known each other for a long time, even if they were enemies then. That also felt more realistic than randomly being put together with somebody and then falling madly in love.
0: Yes. A hundred percent, which is what happens in both of the preceding two stories. There really wasn't much that I didn't like about it. It's a very solid romance. I like the characters. It's a quick read. I was looking at reviews last night in preparation for this episode. And because I follow and Gay on Goodreads, her review mm-hmm. of this book came up and she made this hilarious point that the characters order pizza all the time. like All the time. Maybe 10 times or maybe more mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah which is not a dislike, but it's just something funny to watch out for (laughs) if you do read it.
1: And all of her books, they eat a lot of food. Food is a central part of all three, and I love that about them.
0: Me too. That's one of my favorite things about books, though sometimes I don't like it when I'm reading it and I'm hungry. So Mm -hmm. if you want to pick this one up, pick up a good snack, maybe pizza.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'll be all set. (laughs) And enjoy. (laughs) What have you been reading, Sarah? I read The Gifted School by Bruce Holsinger. And I randomly found this at the bottom of one of my news summary emails that I get. They had this book recommendation, and I was hooked by the description. It is about four friends navigating parenting and life in fictional Boulder. Mm. A new public school is slated to open for gifted children, and drama ensues as all the parents try to get their kids in. And how that effort is influencing the relationships between the parents, the relationships between the kids, all of it. (laughs) It draws you in immediately. In that way, it reminds me of Leanne Moriarty's books, both with the pace and the ability of bringing a whole cast of characters to life in a short amount of time. Because I think that's a real challenge. And the author successfully did that in this book. Themes were great, both around public school, and how parents make choices in schooling, and how communities treat, quote unquote, gifted children, and what effect that has for all kids. Hmm. I loved it. I had been looking forward to this, and it did not disappoint. In terms of recommendations, I would absolutely recommend it, but I would say it's not always fun or enjoyable to hold up the mirror to our parenting, either Hmm. individually or collectively. That definitely happens in this book, and there's a lot of food for thought. I've been thinking about that a lot, having kids in elementary school and moving towards the ages where they start making these distinctions among kids and putting people on different tracks, and there's just a lot to think about.
0: It's so interesting to me because I just saw the title of this book. I didn't see your description of it, and at first Mm -hmm. I thought that it was a nonfiction book. Mm Mm-hmm. Because this would be right up your alley to read a nonfiction book about this. It is is fascinating to me that it's fiction. I'm so Mm -hmm. intrigued.
1: And I do think that having it be fiction made it packaged in this palatable way for Mm. such a challenging topic. Interesting. It would be a wonderful book club book. I think there's a lot to talk about. Let's continue the conversation about books by jumping into a review of our year. How did you feel about your reading life generally this year?
0: Reading felt so important to me this year. It felt like one of the only links to myself in the midst of a lot of my life being consumed by pregnancy, parenting, postpartum anxiety, work, and now this move. So I was able to read pretty consistently and it felt really good.
1: I love the way that books can be these really wonderful companions during challenging moments in our life.
0: Me too. What about you?
1: For me, reading was much more sporadic than usual. I always have ups and downs throughout the year, but this year it felt much more extreme, as I think we'll get into. Do you feel like you read as much as you wanted to? And if not, what challenges did you face in your reading life this year?
0: I read even more than I expected. And I am crediting my Kindle. So in May, I upgraded my Kindle mm. from when I was borrowing from a friend to a refurbished Paperwhite with a light. And I've talked about that on the pod before, but that was an absolute game changer for reading while the baby slept next to me, for reading when my anxiety woke me up at four in the morning. I read almost no paper books. Mm. And usually I'm really into audiobooks, but audio in general was hard for me this year with everything else making demands on my attention and time. Yes. So the Kindle was the ticket.
1: Hmm. I also got a Kindle Paperwhite this year. I know, on my recommendation. (laughs) Yes. And I've had a really different experience that I've had an e-reader in the past before and would use it off and on, but I still mostly stuck to paper books. But I was convinced that with the ease of getting things onto the Kindle and When I'm out and about being able to carry something lightweight, that it would be a game changer for me as well. And that (laughs) has not been the case. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm still glad that I have it. And I read a few books on it this summer and I loved having it when I was traveling. Mm. Neil predicted this outcome when we were discussing (laughs) buying this, but he doesn't listen to the pods. So it's okay for him not to know that he was right. (laughs) Although I will say the Kindle came to my rescue last night when I left my purse bag at the field at school pickup for Mm. some reason. And the book that I was reading was in there. I was rereading Carry On. And I just really needed to read it that night. I'd been looking forward to it all day. I -hmm. knew I was close enough to finish it. And then I thought, I could pull out my Kindle. I bet it's available as an ebook, And it was. And I finished it. And when I pulled out the Kindle, I assumed I would have to charge it. And it still had a 64% charge, and I hadn't used it in two months. So that's definitely a positive for the Kindle. And maybe I just need to find better ways to incorporate it. I think there's certain books I love on it, fantasy, romance, easy reading, I Mm. like in the Kindle format. Mm -hmm. But things that require a little more brain power from me, I really like the physical book. And I'm not sure exactly what it is about that, but there it is.
0: So we often talk about reading slumps right here, but because my Kindle was so amazing, I didn't have <laughs> any reading slumps.
1: What about you? Did you have any of those this year, Sarah? I did. I was reading really steadily until I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Then I switched over to voraciously reading online forms and studies as I tried to chart the path forward. And I thought after I had surgery and was laid up in bed that that would be a time ripe for reading stacks of books. Mm -hmm. Turns out I wanted to read nothing. (laughs) and So that was my first major slump was the whole month after my surgery. I mostly just watched TV and didn't really get back into it until I was feeling better. I think it felt like too much effort to even have to create images in my mind and hold on to a story. But like you'd mentioned earlier, I think that one of the things that helped me feel back to myself was when I started picking up books again, and mm-hmm. that that felt like reconnecting with this really important part of myself. Yeah. Through the summer, I was reading a lot again, and then in the fall, I wouldn't call it a slump. I would just say it's a slowing down as I've adjusted to working part-time. E went from full-day school back to half time. I'm reading consistently. There just feels like there's limited hours to fit it in, so I'm not getting through quite as many books as I did. At the start of the year. Hmm. What about surprises in your reading life? Are there any books you expected to love but didn't, or genres that you were particularly drawn to? I love that we look back on our reading lives
0: like this because Mm -hmm. I had not realized how many series I read this year.
1: Ooh, interesting.
0: I started and finished several new series, picked up the latest books for other series that I love. So, three highlights the Lara Jean books by Jenny Hahn, which I talked about probably in January.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Temerare Books by Naomi Novik, which I talked about the first one of those. Mm-hmm. And the Lady Sherlock series by Sherry Thomas, which I've also talked about. But I think I read maybe six total series in full mm-hmm. and then picked up the latest ones from series that are ongoing. So that was so interesting. And I was thinking about why that is. And I think that It was something about having familiar characters, storytelling style, and consistency that just really worked for me Mm -hmm. in the midst of all the sort of life stuff that was happening. Mm -hmm. It was really nice to know what to expect in my reading life. It was really nice to know that if I picked up a book, I was probably going to like it. Mm -hmm. So once I found a series I liked, I just charged right through.
1: (laughs) Just really surprising. It feels really comforting, I think, to come back to those characters and places.
0: Exactly. Along those lines, though, I expected to love Wayward Sun, but as I talked about in our last episode, I really just liked it. It wasn't mm. amazing. In terms of genres, my genres are pretty consistent year to year. Fantasy and romance are tops, as usual.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to find a lot of patterns or themes in my reading when I looked back. I found my books to be all over the place, which is fairly typical for me. I read several solid nonfiction, lighter fantasy and romance. Our book club books tend toward more literary fiction. Then I also went through a couple nonfiction phases of breast cancer books and memoirs. And then also in the early summer, I was very into reading about reading and screens and our kids and the Hmm. interplay between all of that. Interesting. In terms of other surprises, I've recently started using playaways for myself mm. and loving them. So for listeners who may not know, it's a small MP3 player you get from the library that just has one book preloaded on it. So you put in a battery, plug in your headphones, and then listen to the book. I started doing that with the Flavia De Luce series, which is one mm. of my favorite audio series and mysteries, and they're just so, so lovely. I don't know if it's that it's so simple and there's no other distractions with it, but I'm finding I'm getting through audiobooks much faster with the PlayAway than Mm. I ever did just having it on another device that also does many other things.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like if it's only doing that one thing, there's no way you can
1: get a text
0: on the (laughs) PlayAway while you're reading it.
1: That is accurate. (laughs) So I'm hoping to continue getting in more audiobooks that way in the coming year. I like that idea. Both of us use Goodreads to track our books, and we also have participated in the Goodreads Challenge for several years. What was your goal for this last year? Did you meet it? And what are you thinking about as a goal for next year?
0: I aim to read a book a week, so 52 books this year. It was my same goal as last year, which I just barely met in 2018. This year, I'm on track to read between 65 and 70 books before the end of the month.
1: And I remember when we were doing this episode last year, you talked about how you weren't even sure if you would make the goal with all of the upheaval coming in your life.
0: It's so true. That
1: is honestly one
0: of the biggest surprises is how much I read at all. Mm -hmm.
1: Last year, I blew through my goal. And so I upped my goal this year to 90, but I'm not going to make it. By the time the month is out, I will land somewhere in the low to mid 80s, which is about 20 less than I read last year. Considering the year I've had, I feel great about it.
0: As you should.
1: (laughs) I think that's just the way it goes. I'm still fitting in a lot of reading, even with a lot of other demands on my time. I think I'm feeling especially positive because at the moment, I'm feeling really invigorated around reading and have a lot of great books on deck, and I'm excited to go into a new reading year. I'll probably keep my goal somewhere around the same, and I'll either hit it or I won't. (laughs) Perfect. Let's get into our favorite reads of the year. Let's start with fiction.
0: My number one favorite fiction, as listeners have heard already, was Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. This is a romance about two men falling in love in the backdrop of politics and international royalty fame. And there's great food descriptions, and there's happily ever after. And I was 100% there for it.
1: I have two. The first one is The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. And this one is about the AIDS epidemic focused on Chicago in the 1980s, and then also a plot line that happens in the present day. My other favorite was Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfield, which just has this wonderful, creepy, dark vibe <laughs> with a mystery and beautiful writing.
0: It's basically the opposite of Red, White, and Royal Blue.
1: Yes. but I love that one too. Both great. You just got to pick the one that you're in the mood for. I love that. What about nonfiction?
0: My top nonfiction this year was Bad Blood by John Mm You, I read this book for two different book clubs, and it inspired some of the best book club discussions I've had, especially at my in-person book club. For listeners who don't know, this is Written by a journalist, and it's about Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of Theranos, so she dropped out of Stanford and then started this company that was basically all deception. Really fascinating look at human character Mm -hmm. and what people will do for money and power. Yes. And I would highly, highly recommend it.
1: I read it and loved it as well. My number one nonfiction was The Eating Instinct by Virginia Sol Smith.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Yes. It has wonderful insights about diet culture in general and specifically how it relates to parenting. I haven't yet listened to her podcast, Comfort Food, but I plan to. I love most everything that she creates. Absolutely. My other favorite is The Enchanted Hour by Megan Cox-Gordon, which... Is about the power of reading aloud to kids, both when they're young, but also through adolescence. I've always read a lot to my kids because I love reading. I want them to love reading. I think the power of story is really important. But this book somehow changed it so that in the past, I think it often felt like an obligation. And I didn't feel resentful of doing it, but it definitely felt like a parenting box to check. Mm. And since I've read this book, I have found so much more joy in the experience and really treasure that time I get with my kids every day. So cool. What about the most enjoyable read you've had this year?
0: I have really enjoyed reading this year, but if I had to narrow it down to one of my series, I would say it was the Lady Sherlock series by Sherry Mm -hmm. Thomas. It is just the perfect combo for me of historical fiction, mystery, and romance with Mm -hmm. all of these really interesting questions in there about gender. And I just finished the fourth book this morning, and I cannot wait for her to write more. The fourth one was a cliffhanger, so there are definitely more coming. Okay. And it is so awesome to anticipate that happening.
1: Yes. I have the first one on my shelf, but I've been sort of, eh, other things are calling to me more. But Mm. your description just now has bumped it up. Sounds like some good holiday reading, too.
0: Definitely. Holiday, vacation, you name it. Anytime you want to really enjoy yourself, this is the place to go.
1: (laughs) Awesome. My most enjoyable read was also a series. It was The Court of Thorn and Roses series by Sarah Moss. I don't know if it just hit me at exactly the right time. I read it in the summer and loved everything about it. It had the fantasy, the romance. It was easy to read. It was really long, which when you find a book you really like and it's long, (laughs) feels like it's good. positive. Yes. Yeah. And as I was reading it, there were things, and I could tell, the writing's overwrought, she uses all these ellipses, it's very (laughs) cheesy, that if I were being objective, I don't know that I would say this is an excellent book. But man, I loved it. (laughs) So I love that you loved it. I love that. Yeah, because it's one you tried and did not love as much as I did. It's true. But I stand by my recommendation. (laughs) I made
0: it through the first book, okay, And I was excited. I'm in the series. I'm like, these are really long. There's lots of them. Let's do this thing. Mm -hmm. And then I started
1: the second one and I couldn't keep going. So that's all right. It happens because it was the same for me with the Nixia series that you recommended to me. Yes. And you love the Nixia series. I couldn't wait to get it. And I never even finished it. I <laughs> made it through the first two and started the third. And I was just like, I can't. I can't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yep. There's books.
0: There's books for everyone.
1: Exactly. Let's move into favorite memoirs.
0: My favorite memoir I talked about on the pod way back in January. And it's All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. Mm-hmm. The basic synopsis is that she's an adult adoptee. She's a woman of Asian descent, but she's been adopted by a white family. And so her exploring what that is like, her reconnecting with some members of her birth family, and her having her own baby. I was pregnant then. I was into reading books about pregnant people. And it was just really thoughtful and well-written.
1: Agree. I have two memoirs I really enjoyed. One is Flat by Katherine Guthrie, which I just talked about on the podcast. It's a breast cancer memoir. I also read On Living by Carrie Egan, which you talked about on one of our very first podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. And it had been on my list. And then it really called to me after being diagnosed and wanting to read someone's thoughts about the human condition and about life and death. And she speaks both about trauma that she's been through and what she's witnessed being a hospice chaplain. hmm And it's just beautifully done. And I continually think back on the insight she offered there. So good. What was your favorite audiobook this year?
0: Hands down it was becoming by Michelle Obama.
1: Hmm.
0: Also loved it as a memoir, but it really shines as an audiobook because it's her reading it. And so hearing all the things in her voice was just so priceless.
1: Yes, I read that one, but I can see how it would have been even better as a listen. Definitely. My favorite audio are ones I've already mentioned with the playaways. They're the Flavia DeLuce books by Alan Bradley. They're mysteries set in the 1950s in Britain, based around Flavia, who is, I think, 10 when the series starts and is very into chemistry. And There's a mystery every time. It's very clever. The language is hilarious. I am not sure I would like these as much as regular books Hmm. because every time I'm listening, I just think, I don't think I could recreate that in my own mind the way the narrator does.
0: That's so cool.
1: Highly recommend.
0: That's really the perfect audiobook where it's not just that it's easier to listen to it Mm -hmm. than to read it yourself. It's that you really gain so much from the experience by listening as yes. opposed to reading.
1: Yes. Because I don't listen that often because it usually is harder, but I right. make the time for the Flavia books. <laughs> Let's look ahead to 2020. Are there any things in particular that you're looking forward to or any challenges you're anticipating or anything else relevant to your reading life that you'd like to share?
0: I think 2020 is going to be a great year for reading. I'm really excited particularly about Elizabeth Gilbert's new book, City of Girls. Hmm. It came in once for me on Kindle, but I had too many of the temporary books on my Kindle that were going to expire if I turn on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So I couldn't download it, but I'm on the list and slowly moving up again. So it's bound to happen next year. <laughs> Excellent. And then my aunt, Mary Dunewald, wrote a cancer memoir called Fine Thanks that was published this year, mm-hmm. and I have it in hard copy and I am planning to read it over the holidays.
1: I am most looking forward to The Air Affair, which is the sequel to The Royal We. Oh, yes. Cannot wait.
0: (laughs) I think it might be worth a re-listen for that.
1: Oh, yes. Before
0: the new one comes out.
1: I mean, it's always worth a re-listen, but now you have even more of a reason to do so. (laughs) Absolutely. In terms of my general reading life, as I said, right now I'm feeling really excited looking forward to fitting it in. I feel great about where I'm at with reading and hope that there aren't as many hiccups as there were in this last year and that it's a little more smooth sailing. I hope that for all of us. (laughs) Indeed. Let's end as we always do by sharing something we've been eating lately. I will start by sharing a pie I made for Thanksgiving this year. HP told me he wanted chocolate pie and I said, great. I don't Mm. like pumpkin pie, so I am happy to make something else. And we were doing Thanksgiving at in my in-laws, so I was just making a few different dishes and bringing them over. Mm-hmm. In the recipe, it recommended just a regular pie crust, but I don't really like regular pie crust, so I made a chocolate graham cracker crust mm. and then did the chocolate filling on the inside. And it's like a pudding consistency. It had egg yolks and milk and cream and chocolate and butter and cornstarch, and it was one of the things where you stir for a long time. For Mm -hmm. me, while I was listening to Flavia Deleuze on the playaway, got through a few chapters until it thickened up. (laughs) Love it. And then cool it. It was great. I don't know that it would be worth the effort on a regular basis to make because Mm -hmm. of all of the stirring. Yeah. And then it turns out, once I made it, that what HP actually meant he wanted (laughs) was the Winning Hearts and Minds chocolate cake that is really creamy. And we bake it in these aluminum pie tins that we have. So he thinks of it as chocolate pie. But still delicious. Put some fresh whipped cream on top.
0: Sounds like a winner.
1: What's not to like? (laughs) (laughs) What have you been eating?
0: I want to recommend the easiest meal you can ever make in your oven. This is roasted hot dogs and cauliflower. Hmm. And the reason this works is because both of those things roast at 400 degrees. Okay. For about the same amount of time. So with the hot dogs, you get them. You make a little slice in them. You stick them on the pan. And with the cauliflower, you get it. You cut it up. You put olive oil and salt, maybe pepper if you're feeling fancy, and then stick it on the pan. And you put them both in. The hot dogs will be done in probably about 10 minutes. The cauliflower will be done in about 14. Toss the cauliflower with a little lemon juice. Put the hot dogs in a bun. Your family will love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My family would love that. My only problem with it is that I don't love hot dogs. Mm. My kids could eat them breakfast, lunch, and dinner and do when we're camping, including cold. But (laughs) (laughs) maybe I could get some kind of other sausage for me and then hot dogs for them.
0: You totally could. Or maybe you just haven't found the right hot dog because I felt that way about hot dogs until I started having these hot dogs here that are like artisanal, whatever. They sell them at the farmer's market. That's where I actually got hooked on them,
1: Mm, was them
0: selling their hot dogs at the farmer's market. So I would eat a hot dog for breakfast on a Saturday morning, and then I would crave it Mm -hmm. the rest of the week. So then I bought an actual package from them and did it with those hot dogs.
1: Noted. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners.
0: Listeners, we would love to hear from you about your 2019 reading you can share that with us on our website friendlierpodcast.com on instagram at friendlierpodcast or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com
1: please do because one of my favorite reads this year came as a listener recommendation at this time of year so i know you all have wonderful suggestions and can't wait to read them we went to hear those yes
0: We also would love it if you would leave a review for Friendlier on Apple Podcasts. It would be a lovely holiday gift for us, and we would
1: very much appreciate it. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. And I don't think I took a before picture, so I can't even do before and after pictures. Neil just took out walls. Um, (laughs) What can you do? Yes, it has wonderful insights about diet cultural in general. I don't think I said that right.
0: You said diet cultural.
1: (laughs) I knew something was wrong. Okay.